All right, we heard from Naren and Sam uh, this morning. Uh, we also have uh, Phil Mills and Don McIntosh, and Don Latour and Jerry Finneman. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the thing that is uh, consistent with each pair here is that they are a physician pastor team who has worked together in the local church. Is that correct? Uh, or clinic, okay. So work together in a local church or clinic setting. And be working at Walmart, though. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. So uh, we're, uh, uh, of course, wanting to model this approach. As we have seen, inspiration has told us that when the minister and the pastor work together for the salvation of souls, uh, it's really a work that has no greater possibilities. And so uh, I would just like to, before we open it up to you, because we also want you to be part of this dialogue, uh, questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything that you uh, uh, are struggling with in your own uh, ministries, or uh, these are uh, uh, really uh, individuals that have gone through a lot of this already in regards to the, uh, uh, the threats and the opportunities of such a relationship. But uh, I would just like to maybe start, since Phil is there on the end, uh, why don't you uh, begin with talking about uh, what this has done uh, for the Three Angels Church in Wichita. We started with a 37 charter member church, startup uh, uh, church plant in North Wichita. And my dad was the first pastor. He had done a great deal of health education. Then we had Steve Wolberg for two years. And when Steve left us, we, we wanted to find a, a pastor that would be interested in health education and could be able to do that. And my dad, having contacts in lots of places, uh, really looked all over, scoured for somebody, a, a pastor that we could have that would really be on the cutting edge. And, <laughs> and while he was in, actually he was looking, he was going to interview somebody else, and as he was with a Maranatha uh, one of the Maranatha leaders in Berrien Springs, uh, the lady of the house, an old friend of my parents, said in passing, I hate to give you this name because it's our favorite associate pastor. And he's not really a pastor. He's a lay pastor. We would hate to lose him. So immediately my parents got his name <laughs> and uh, interviewed him. He came down and I... I believe this violated one of the principles that we heard from Lorraine um, on Thursday night. But we talked till about what? 10.30 or 11? Um, maybe 12. Um, maybe 12.30. Um, <laughs> and after that, I was uh, certain that Pastor Don, who was at that time a nurse but a lay pastor would not be interested in coming, and I correctly judged. But um, the Lord laid it on his heart after that scary evening, and uh, he came and joined us, and it was a wonderful uh, team with Dr. 
Dr. Bryant, who is here, his wife, myself and uh, my wife, and Pastor Don and his wife, and for 12 very fruitful years, we worked together. The church membership now is over 220. Um, yeah, and the praise goes to the Lord. When I first talked to Phil, he terrified me <clears throat> because he he was he was trying to test me out to see what what I was like, you know, and and uh, so I said I don't know. But as we prayed on the way back on the plane, we realized that the Lord was calling us there. It was irrevocable call. So we've been there actually 13 years, and uh, we tried all kinds of different things in our church. We we did. Um, Heartbeat weekends with Dr. Scharfenberg. We had Dr. Richard Hansen come for a weekend. We had these mega weekends. And the, the first year, I think, almost killed the church. We had so many mega weekends. And uh, I look at the pictures of back then, and I just go, man, this, these are saints. They let me experiment with the church. And, uh, and then I realized that, you know, there was more than just church meetings for people. We didn't have any kids, and we were kind of kids ourselves. At least I was. And... Um, and but we tried all these different things and we couldn't find anything that was really working. Uh, the physicians in the church um, had practices that were kind of non-traditional. Um, one physician, Dr. Bryant, had was the medical director of nursing homes. We didn't think we wanted to put the residents in buses and bus them to the church. Um, we didn't think that would work. And Dr. Mills was in physical medicine and uh, did legal consulting but they both had a heart for evangelism as well as several other doctors dr kathleen sparks is here and she was there during that time and so there was like and, and, her, husband. and her husband that's where they met which was one of the fruits of the ministry there <laughs> and uh so we had to find something that drew all these people together and dr mills came back one day from a a weekend actually in Battle Creek, or I don't know where he was. And he came... I was asked to do a, a uh, intensive at the seminary on medical evangelism. I didn't have a clue what to do, so I thought, well, at least I can teach it. And hopefully, <laughs> in teaching it, I'll learn what I'm supposed to do. And that's exactly what happened. Right, yeah, we team taught some of that, and it was interesting. But we had done these other weekends before, and then we... We heard about a program that worked for us very well over the years, which was the Coronary Health Improvement Project, the CHIP program. And um, it was in its developmental stages of being used in churches. In fact, there were only four churches that piloted that program, and we were one of those churches. The George and Irma Chin, who are here, were one of the other pilots. And then Dr. George Guthrie and Dina were in Groven for another pilot. And I don't know what the other pilot was. I can't remember. Battle Creek. Battle Creek. Okay, yeah, Battle Creek. I remember that now. And, um, and anyway, so, so 16 CHIP programs later, we found out it works. Um, and what really happened was that the physicians would lose, use their, not lose, <laughs> they would use their influence with their patients and with people, and they had awesome influence. You know, I read a statement that uh, I lost in my computer, which happens from time to time. And it said that, the, you know, the... Uh, the Christian physician, the competent Christian physician is the way it goes. Competence is a very important word. The competent Christian, uh, Christian physician has tenfold more influence than the mere preacher of the word. And I read that and I said, man, i got to just use this influence. The Lord, these are very competent physicians. Dr. Mills is 
top of his field in physical medicine, was writing parts and textbooks. And Dr. Bryant was, he's now on the board for his, his area of medicine. And, and uh, these were very confident people and they had great influence. And the Lord then opened up many, many opportunities so that we could minister to people in the, uh, in the CHIP program. And we, starting out, tell them about the first program. Well, uh, I think we ought to, to have opportunities for the 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 the, uh, the others. Uh, this it's very very. Uh, let me just say one thing: the purpose of these uh, to, of health education is not just health education. Medical evangelism is not merely health education, and in the text that was used so effectively by Pastor Finley today. He talked about that stream that came out of the sanctuary. Uh, one part he didn't mention. If you read there in Ezekiel 47, it says there's fishermen on the shore and schools of fish will go by. Uh, fellow physicians and dentists, if we don't know how to fish for souls, all of our health outreach programs will be of zero value. We have to have, we have to know how to win souls. And, and so the, uh, in, in uh, medical evangelism, we can bring the schools of fish toward our churches, but we must have members that know how to catch them. And that's uh, my burden to learn to be a better, effective fisherman. I want Jesus to call me from uh, to be a fisher of men. As the uh, moderator, saying that we heard from uh, our middle group earlier today and try, try to expedite time, why don't we uh, start out on uh, this end with Don and Jerry, and then we'll finish here. Uh, my name is Don Latour, and I, I just want to say I feel like I have kind of Microsoft and Google here, and we're a startup in the basement. So, um, thanks, Jerry. Uh, I was kind of shocked to get a call. We kind of fit the criteria of a pastor, doctor, but we're just actually just getting started just a few months uh, together, Jerry and I, and uh, trying to implement some of the concepts and things that I Actually, about two years ago, I heard from a good friend of mine, John Chung, who came up to Michigan and gave a um, kind of a medical retreat at uh, Camp Asaba, which is kind of an annual thing that they do there in Michigan. And uh, he mentioned that he had a pastor in his office, and that I'd never even, I never even had considered that before. And so um, we had some discussion with the, I had some discussion with the conference, and uh, I discovered if you give them several hundred thousand dollars, they'll do a lot of things if you want to hire somebody to work in your office. <laughs> so um, I've kind of looked around for somebody to bring in, and uh, Jerry's been a longtime friend of mine, and um, we're just kind of in the dark here. So I'm really up here more actually to learn from people, and, and as they're getting into talking about their 16 programs and this and that, we're just starting. Um, We've got a number of things on the docket. Maybe I'll let Jerry just say a few words about those. Some, some things have already happened. Uh, Don's wife has, has done uh, stress seminars. We're going to have another one shortly after we get back. 
I know that Dr. Kinsley has dealt with uh, stress, tobacco, and caffeine and that sort of thing. We've been accepting calls to churches to do either health talks or sermons or whatever. So that's been going on. And our burden is that the gospel and the health message go, go hand in hand. Proverbs chapter 15 says that good news, uh, there's another translation that says that the good news produces marrow in the bones. We believe that good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says the grace that is, uh, the grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us, and I like the NIV, it says teaches us to say no to ungodliness and that sort of thing, but also yes to uh, ways of living and to develop the idea between the psychosomatic relationship, uh, habit forming, where we say no, puts the brakes on, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the direction we're, we're heading. And now you fellows. Working. You know, I, as, as I showed this morning, I, my, my experience in, in, in um, venturing to medical evangelism came out of a deep devotional experience. And I, so I encourage all of you, that's where everything evolves. The strength of the spiritual tone of the physician, the dentist, is really where everything comes from. And so for me, I just got up one Sunday morning after a, a long time on my knees with the Lord, and I decided I better put down in writing what my mission is as a physician, as a practice. And that drove everything, because after that, I looked at the mission. I said, how well are we doing with our mission? And our mission is to help our patient have life, have it more abundantly. And as part of our objectives, which is not up there this morning, is um, also have there that that the patient's care will not be complete unless he or she has an encounter with the Savior. So we have to ask myself, how do we make that happen? And so uh, part of what helped was coming over here to Amen last year. Dr. John Tarquato presented a model which was from a, a, a kind of a different angle where he was employed by the, by the church in a clinic run by the church. And I said, well, we don't have that opportunity out there, but I could at least initiate from the other direction with the practice uh, having the, uh, the, the pastor come in. And so that's kind, of, um, that's kind of what drove that. I really think what I'm excited about this model is because uh, one of the things I've learned is that many times we can look around us and see all the challenges of what, who is not doing what and what is not happening. And we forget what resources we have right at our fingertips. And I mean, when I looked at the, the thing, I said, we have the practice, we have patients coming through, and we have a willing minister who has an interest in health education and evangelism. And so we said, why not use what we have at our, at, at our disposal? And so that's where it started. Our experience has been barely within this past year. And so we are really uh, learning as we go. And that's why I think sharing with you, many of you are probably along that stage as well. So I think when you look at every, every, um, every one of us here have a church nearby, we have a pastor. The interesting thing with Sam and I, we actually, I don't attend the same church where he pastors. I, I go to church in Lexington, but my pastor... My pastor is not, but we're both Adventists, we can assure you of that, yeah? <laughs> okay, Don McIntosh, I want to bring that out. And you may find that, you may find that your pastor, maybe, maybe, maybe your pastor at your particular church may not have the kind of passion that, uh, that you would like to see in someone that you can partner with, but I, I knew Sam was nearby, and he's not far from where I practice is, so I, and I saw that he was actively involved in doing health outreach work, so I said, why not, you know, have somebody that already has the passion for it as opposed to trying to, having to drive that into someone. So that's kind of what motivated things, and I think I hope you'll catch that vision by just knowing that you're there, there's church, there are members willing to be involved. That's another thing that, that we are really excited about. We have people that come in, prepare helpful food, get to interact with the, member, with the, with the, with the patients, 
And I think that, uh, that, that just gives the opportunity to mingle with people as one desiring their good, which is what we are enjoined to do in the spirit of prophecy. One thing that I might add to this is that uh, our situation has been unusual. By the way, we felt when you guys were talking, I thought, boy, they're like teenagers and we're just coming out of the oven too. So I, I know the feeling. But um, <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> um, our situation is, is indeed unusual in that uh, I live at kind of in the central part of our district, and I'm thinking pastor-wise now, district. And Dr. James, of course, is in the outer northern edge of that. So we're not able to do some of the things that I think we'd really love to do, but I want to throw this into the mix. Um, in Somerset, the town where I, where I do reside, um, for some years now we have been doing, we've, we've been working to find our way and, and befriend people within the medical community and the hospital and so forth through chaplaincy, through health ministries, et cetera, and also putting on seminars at the local YMCA, uh, natural uh, cooking seminars and different things like that. And um, what I wanted to throw in here is that for the mission of the church, uh, we're not just talking about what can happen indeed at the doctor's office um, but we are, or, or even what can happen just at the church, but we're talking also about using the, the talents and the resources and the, the knowledge that God has given us to sow in the community a sense of, what will I call it, healing, goodwill, uh, connectedness, so that our community starts looking at, at Adventist Christians, you know, as people who love, who care, who are genuine Christians and have something really special to offer the community. And so this, this seed sowing is crucial to the overall mission of the church. It's exciting to, to see that, uh, to hear what's happening in a practice. This is totally different than really what we did uh, in, in our church. But I've talked to some physicians here that, you know, maybe are in radiology and different things. And, you know, you're with your colleagues and you're not, you, you wonder how to get involved. So our model is, is uh, probably helpful for you. And then this is, of course, very helpful for those in the practice. But let me just say a couple of things. When we went through these uh, different programs, we, re we realized that really the, and this would not be true in a practice because you have longer-term relationships. But for us, we need to have a longer program so we could build a relationship. And that's why we wanted a four-week program. Now, if you have a practice where you see people, you know, month after month and you see them and whatnot, that's different. But we wanted to build a relationship that could build uh, enough information into the program to help them, but could also document that change and then also allow our members and those um, that we're, we're uh, teaching to be fishers of men, as Dr. Mills uh, mentioned, by the seashore there, to, uh, to have an opportunity to learn that. When we first started out, I got there, I remember we were doing these different programs and I'll just tell a story about one man who had come to some health programs and then started to help out. And this was one of the first people that we started to learn how to make the connection with the spiritual. I mean, basically, when you think about it, you've got to have four or five different things that happen. You have to find people to work with. You then have to lead them to want to have spiritual information. You have to then get them into an actual study of the Word. And then you have to lead them to make a decision about that. And then, you know, decisions during that. And then they come out of that and they go to your church. That's another, you know, 
hurdle, and then they join the church and become discipled in it. So there's your whole process. And in looking at that, um, I just threw myself in. In this first program, I said, how am I going to help these very effective professionals at, you know, do this? So one thing I did was watch Dr. Mill's dad, who is an expert at leading people into the church. And he would just get next to these people, and pretty soon his wow. wife his wife would have him over and scramble some tofu, and he, they would they they would love to they, they love to bring him over and not tell him what they're feeding him, you know. And they said, "Man, this is pretty good. What is it?" And they tell him, "They go, wow." <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So um, you know, but for the for the for the chip program itself, that kind of put, put came all together. But what I did because I wasn't. I wasn't uh, like like Elder Mills. Is I just and I said to the people, they'd start asking these questions like, "What is the connection between this and your church?" So scientific excellence in the program, coupled with a sacrificial spirit, led them to ask, "What is the connection? What's the connection here?" And so then I said, "Well, let me come over to your house and I'm going to take a stab at it." I mean, would you mind if I come to your house? And they said, "Sure, come to my house." I mean, my cholesterol went down. I'm alive. At least I'm alive now. You can come to my house. So I go to their house, and I had these studies that I started doing with them. And I remember one lady, Margie, went to her house, and she said, uh, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm bringing Margie over. And I called her up to the phone. She goes, when? I said, right now. She goes, oh, oh no, no. And uh, so she went to Walmart. <laughs> trying to help you out here. And uh, there wasn't a clinic there yet to help her, but there will be soon. Anyway, she went to Walmart. <laughs> And when she got there to Walmart, she bought a whole new uh, uh, packaging unit for all the things in our kitchen. She came home, she put all these vials and Petri dishes or whatever, you know, all the, all the different things all over the place. And I came home to the apartment, I looked in the apartment, and it looked like a food store. I could not believe it. And Margie goes, oh, this is how you do it. I was like, my wife was... I'll kill you if you <laughs> expose me. But what happened was we were starting to learn that it takes a team to win souls. You have Dr. Mills who provides scientific excellence and Dr. Bryant just by their presence. You have the program and these are all different touch points. But then you have this personal interaction and you can't do it all. So we start out. Anyway, Margie comes, and then we went muddled through these studies and different things. And I said, "Well, what did you think about that?" And she says, "This and that." But then she made, you know, she made her decision to join the church. And then what we started seeing was that there was a, a pattern that developed um, in in leading people from health to him, basically. And um, that pattern started to emerge um, over time. And I think in your in your local situations, you know, you're starting out, you've been there for a while, um, you're putting the building blocks in place, but you have to remember those five different steps. And you have to, uh, you, you have to start mastering those. It's, it's, uh, you got to do a spiritual workup, you got to figure out where they are. And, um, and you have to recognize, I mean, in our church, what is it? We have, uh, how many people are involved, were involved? Let, the first program, not to terrify people. Let, let me uh, let me just say that our our relatively unsuccessful mini programs were very successful because it trained us how to do things. You 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 have to do lots of different uh, things to learn how to do anything. 
And you, you find out how people think. We want to reach people. One of the things that I learned is you don't inject spirituality into a talk. You are spiritual. And so uh, if you are spiritual, it goes, you can't keep it out. So we need to be spiritual people. If we're going to give a spiritual message, that's a dimension that even in any health talk, if you love Jesus, it shines out, not just in what you say, but the way you say it, the tone of your voice. There are things that just influence them toward Jesus. If you have people who are excellent clinicians, but they're not, they don't know Jesus, you, you can't, you can't, it, it won't happen. The bridge happens when you love Jesus and you're presenting material to help His children. And so, um, uh, when they see your family involved, when they see all these things, a secret longing for a better life wells up in their heart. That longing, Steps to Christ says, you who in heart recognize a longing for something better than you have, recognize that longing as the voice of God. You are being a channel to then let them feel, to hear the voice of God, some of them for the very first time. And so what we're doing here, this is some health education, but it's not. It's medical evangelism. And it draws. They want to be like that. They want their children to uh, uh, to be like the children they see in the uh, in the church. They, it, it's a it's an impact. One of the things that we found is that if you're going to do a neutral uh, seminar, uh, such as a health, a neutral seminar, choose a non-neutral location, your church. If you're going to do a frankly denominational or I should say evangelistic program, go to a neutral site. But if you do a neutral program at a neutral site, you'll never build your church. So, um, so we did our health education in the church because we wanted them to be thinking of the church as a solution to their health problems. Let me just add something in there. We tried to make them feel comfortable about that, though. So we called the place we invited the Community Health Education Center. Well, well, we didn't have we didn't we to say we hit it is is it's not it's not true because we we didn't have a sign up, we hadn't we we hadn't paid for the sign yet. Um, I mean nowadays the Seventh Day Adventist name is 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 like saying this is where the people that live the longest in America are. I mean it's it's it, it's absolutely not a problem for a lot of people, but. Dr. Mills talked about, or, or Dr. Fenley talked about the different streams that all come together in that quote from, uh, from the Spirit of Prophecy. And your programs are only one little stream. We had a fruit program. We had a co-op. We had the health programs we ran, all these different things. And our, our, uh, we had crossed this barrier of getting people into the church by having the program there in the fellowship hall. So they're already there and they see it as a place to do a lot of things. Where else are you going to find tofu burgers, you know? Well, you go there. Where are you going to find fruit? 
where are you going to find nuts, berries, anything? You've, you know, from Genesis 1.29, <laughs> you can buy it at, at Three Angels. And they would come there. And so this became a place of healing and help. And, uh, I, you know, um, so w- once people got comfortable, uh, then, uh, then you move to the next step with them. Um, Mr. Moderator, back to you. <laughs> uh, we do have some uh, questions, uh, I think, that are out there. And uh, anyone would like to, uh, in fact, it might be, uh, I don't know if those microphones stretch or not, do they? Uh, do we have a portable one or no? Maybe not. Okay, we'll just have you speak up. Which is which? First question was in regards to credibility uh, in the uh, local let me answer, community among Let physicians. me answer that question, and I should, probably should have Dr. Bryant. We wrote our colleagues about the uh, program and sent them flyers to give to their patients. We wanted them involved. We had physicians that came through, loved the program. And and uh, we, yes, uh, we, uh, Dr. Bratt uh, not only uh, told them about it, sent them scientific studies, and uh, 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 the patients they send, uh, we would, and they would send us patients, we would then give them, just like if I was the consultant, I would tell the, I, I will always send a, a referring physician the information they requested, we would uh, send the physician who sent their patients, we'd send them a letter regarding their progress in, uh, in the clinic. So we tried to include the, the physicians, and we found there was gr- great support in the community for the programs that we did. We also found great media support. Media what, just loved it. What they would uh, also do uh, when they were starting the CHIP program is they would bring in highly credible national people to speak about it, and they would be on the news media that evening. Yeah. You know, they got people like Castelli to come to Wichita, yeah. and they'd get on the, the news clips, and you know, even all the cardiologists know Castelli from the Framingham study, and so they think, wow, this is, uh, you know, yeah. they're getting some high-name people here, and so a lot of the, the clinicians from the local area were referring to their CHIP program. 
And one other thing they did was we did what was called a fast track program where we took all the all professionals that wanted to come and just have a two day, two day overview of everything. And we let everybody know about that so that it was all out of the bag. I mean, they knew what we were doing, they knew why we were doing it, and we always refer, told the people that we're not their primary physician, go back to their physician, sent the lab work to them, and so they were very increasingly comfortable with it. And then several of the colleagues, uh, some, of the, some of the people, they started to tell other people. And now, I mean, now I'll go to my, my family physician there, and he goes, well, i got some people going through that need to go through the CHIP program and this and that, and he'll, you know, he just does that. I just respond. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't answer the second question. Dr. Wiley might be a good one if you can connect with him to ask about a dental aspect. But all I can say about that first question about the colleagues, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I think this is your mission. This is this is how you practice. We provide good clinical care, obviously, and then we integrate the spiritual into it. In the end, uh, I feel confident our our office is actually providing a higher level of care. Our patients are losing weight. They're they're able to come off medication. And we're also um, integrating the spiritual dimension to care, which is up front in our mission statement. Patients understand that when they come into our practice to begin with. There's, yeah. Actually, actually, yes. Uh, there, there were a, uh, there were some who wanted to implement these into their practice, and uh, Dr. Bryant has actually had Bible studies with some of those colleagues. I would also like to suggest it's not only the professional medical or dental colleagues, but it's also the ministry uh, colleagues. Um, the uh, the Spirit of Prophecy tells us that we want to go to the thought leaders of the community. We want to reach the ministers. Um, if you're going to win a war, you, you win wars better by capturing generals than by shooting privates. And so we want to capture generals. And, uh, and so we made very uh, overt, explicit attempts to reach pastors um, and, and to reach uh, 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 other health educators, uh, health, uh, health people, and thought leaders in our community. Let me just add to that because Dr. Mills was great in reaching the pastors. I mean, I would send out a pastoral newsletter and then they would come and listen to him or a special guest. But another thing that happened that we failed to mention is that there are different levels of professionalism. you got the people that are, you know, the chiefs, and then you have kind of their Indians. And uh, we tried to educate them. We tried different things. First of all, we tried to invite them all at once to something, and the chiefs never came. And then we decided we had to reach out to them in different groups. And so we would have the physicians, and then we would have the dietitians from the area. And several of the dietitians really adopted it. It was a great blessing. One in one of the major medical centers uh, would implement and, and refer people to our program. The dietitian at Dr. Mills Hospital, uh, they built a hospital for Dr. Mills. He had so many patients at first. Um, I'm serious. That's what happened. You know, <laughs> what are you going to say? You got to tell the truth. You know? <laughs> um, but the dietitian there, she implemented that into the program, and that was just part of that 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 hospital thing. And so th that just starts to have a ripple effect. Uh, then we had ministerial luncheons where we would invite the ministers to come in 
and we talked to them, and I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> you have time for one? Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had this one. Uh, we <laughs> now I can't remember it. No, no, we had <laughs> we had this uh, we had this luncheon, and Dr. John McDougall came. And Dr. John, how many of you know Dr. John McDougall? He's a rather intense guy. Um, and that's good. I mean, I would be too if I had a stroke from having the typical American diet. And he came, and this guy, I had him talk to uh, seven or eight-year-olds in the school at first. He goes, I've never talked to seven or eight-year-olds. I said, you'll do fine. And the kids just, they didn't know what hit them when John McDougall talked to them. And then I had him another group and another group, and finally it was time for the ministers, for the ministers lunch. And he goes, who am I talking to next, you know? Um, and uh, I said, well, you know, we paid you an honorarium. I'll just get you there. You just talk. I'll set you up there. So I got him there, and there was the, all the ministers. There. He goes, I'm talking to ministers. What do I say to ministers? I said, well, I'll make you an honorary, an honorary Adventist first. Let's go in the other room. So he goes in the other room, and, you know, I, I was becoming kind of good friends with him. And he goes, well, what do I say? I said, well, look, there's this great book. It's called the Book of Daniel. Have you heard of it? He goes, yeah, but I've never read it. And I goes, what do I do with it? I showed him briefly a Bible study on Daniel 1. I said, you take this book out there and you tell them that Daniel 1 says the program is going to work. And I told him how it all worked out. I gave him a little Bible study. And he goes, okay, we're, uh, okay, so great. So he says, this minute I have to use the facilities. So he uses the facilities. He comes back and he goes, I hand him the Bible. He goes, where is that again? He didn't know where it was. So I open it up, and he puts a bookmark in there. He goes out, he gives the science, and then he takes out the Bible, and he goes, and by the way, you all believe this book, don't you? <laughs> all the ministers, they go, yes. And he goes, well, let me just read you something here. He opens it up to Daniel 1, boom! And that was a blessing. I mean, that, that, so in other words, he was, being, he was being educated, the ministers were being reached, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> uh, let me say one other one other thing about that what you heard there is also what we tried to do we would bring in these big names but we would see these names as people that we needed to reach for jesus and as uh, pastor don would take these people around to the medical grand rounds at the various hospitals take them to media, to do all these things, speak to the pastors. They'd become very acquainted with Pastor Don. He'd be giving them little Bible studies. And uh, they would be touched while they were there. And their presentations had a spiritual tone. So the, uh, uh, we have a, a little ministry, My Bible First, and we realize that when the repairman comes over, when we take our stuff to be shipped, that's all part of evangelism. And every part of health evangelism, whoever you use, who you're working with, um, anybody, that's all the people that we want to reach for the Lord Jesus Christ. It truly uh, is an entering wedge. We, do, we would like to see if the dentist could, uh, we don't, in fact, that was our weakness up here. We recognized it beforehand, but we talked, you know, we don't have a dentist on our uh, panel discussion. But we do have several dentists here uh, who have done health education. Uh, Dr. Clark, uh, if, uh, if you might be able, to, well, I was wondering if you had an answer first. Uh, and then a... Uh, uh, and then a question, an answer, I mean, a question in regards to how would we implement health education as part of a dental clinic?
when particularly people tend to run away from dental clinics uh, and not necessarily towards them because of what goes on there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things I was uh, going to mention before we open that up to, uh, to a dentist, and, and this is really how the health message is in entering Wedge. You know, after, they, after Don had had people like Castelli and Caldwell Esselstein and and uh, T. Colin Campbell and names like this come and teach uh, at Wichita. He and invited me uh, to come up there. And uh, right away, I got in to teach uh, a grand round to the family medicine uh, residents. Uh, I got in to uh, teach there in the PA program. And I could see the relationship that he had with these teachers, and it was kind of like, well, who, who are you going to bring next to teach at our university? Uh, they really liked what was going on there, and Don was kind of their point person to bring in these national people uh, to talk. And I wasn't really a national person, but because he had gotten national people before me, he was able to, uh, to really just feed me right in. I don't think they even looked at any of my credentials uh, as I was, before I taught to them. Uh, and so uh, it just shows you, again, the, the, the effect of the entering wedge and, and capitalizing on what you have and letting the, the communities and even the educational communities know about it. Okay, open that question up, uh, and uh, Dr. You'll have to come forward, Rodney. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I, I can't say this is something that I've done too much, although um, in my practice we have very specifically, intentionally put what we would call branding as a spiritual thing. It's very common for us to, to talk about spiritual things, to pray with patients. When, pay, when people come in there, they know that uh, that's just the way it is. Um, all the way across the board, whether with our employees, our, our doctors that are there, as, as well as the patients. But with that in, in there, we do do nutritional counseling. And as nutritional counseling, I don't know why we couldn't focus and have a complete section on um, on the health of the patient more so than that. I mean, it's as as dentists, that is part of what we we talk about is is nutritional counseling, whether it's diabetes, which directly relates to to uh, gum disease and vice versa, um, whether it's uh, heart disease or what's going on there. Stress management ought to be something that most people who come to the dentist ought to be easy, <laughs> open to talking about. <laughs> but these kinds of things, I think if, if we actually do with our newsletters, we put stuff out and we start getting more intentional on health in general and not just teeth, when people come to our practices, to me, it would be very easy to, to turn around and put that in there. I think that's something I've been missing the boat with that I need to do better at. But uh, I can see how that could happen actually quite easily in the, in the dental perspective. Thank you. Question uh, now from uh, Dr. Clark. I was just um, analyzing my situation, and uh, we have a new pastor that is just a few weeks out of Andrews University, and um, I am wondering if maybe this panel could tell me how we should start a relationship and what programs might be the best to start. I don't know if he's even ever done any, any health-related uh, programs or not, but um, perhaps you, know, you could give us some suggestions as to the best place to start. 
There's a couple of programs actually that uh, the Michigan Conference, which is really open to a lot of these things, has developed. Um, so I would suggest you contact uh, um, the health department, um, Vicky Griffin, Vicky Griffin um, and uh, she has one on stress and another one kind of on diet. They're pretty simple. Um, we've run them. We've probably had some of the best response we've ever had just uh, pulling in non-Adventists. Uh, just from a simple flyer in, uh, in the newspaper, we had about 40 people attend, and they stuck with it. It's a, it's a short program also, four parts, and it's very simple to integrate between either you and, and the pastor. So that would be a good starting point, I think. Okay, question, uh, Dr. Orlich. There's a small church not too far from where we're at, and um, they are conducting a dinner every month on health foods. And they've got about 35 people coming regularly. And the pastors asked me to do an evangelistic series in 2007, and we're going to lead with, the, with a, a health fair or a health expo and have uh, physicians, dermatologists, um, dentists and different ones, and then church uh, church members also to get acquainted and then uh, lead into into that. So, um, and then there are other churches that are asking us to come, inviting us, you know, to speak. So, uh, I think as the word gets out, we're, we're going to see more of that. Um, in fact, I had a an interesting uh, conversation with a Presbyterian minister. Not here it was another place where <clears throat> we were very close friends. We disagreed on on the Sunday laws and things like this, but we, even this was good. One day he got sick, so my wife and I beat a path over to their place with fomentations, <laughs> and it just blew him away. He said, here's a preacher coming to my house <laughs> to heal me physically. <laughs> and then he told me later, he said that he got most of his sermons from, we were sending him a Signs of the Times and Religious Liberty magazine, and he said, I want to tell you, most of my sermons come from those two magazines. <laughs> so... In our particular situation, we are in a quote-unquote dark county. Uh, the closest facility, Church Hall, is, what would you say, about 25 miles away. And really, it's out in the boonies, uh, the, the, the Little Grove Church. That's exactly what we're up to. We're, we're starting pretty much from scratch. We do have um, probably a dozen Adventists that are within a driving distance. But, you know, we... We're doing something different here. We, uh, we decided early on that we did not want to have a drive-in church. You know, something that was just convenient for local admins to zip in for a Sabbath service and zip out. We want disciples. We want missionaries. We want people that, that are there for the long haul. And so, you know, right from scratch, we have started with a uh, midweek fellowship where we have just a, a handful of, of Adventists, and then we have the, you know, four, five, six uh, individuals' interests that are coming. These people consider that their church. It's amazing. Uh, some of the people that you saw there, 
to them, that's church. When they come out to be with us in the midweek, to pray together, to study together. And so and we've, we haven't even, you know, it's not a worship service per se. So um, this, is, this is what we're attempting to do. Yes, Dr. I just want to add uh, more specific to what Michael asked. You know, what, even though we, I don't attend church where Sam is, we, the people who are meeting at this fellowship is from both congregations, kind of, so it's an amalgamation. And I just looked within the congregation and saw who had a passion and interest for health outreach. And I just invited them, hey, could you come over to the office and help us with this by doing a healthful meal or something? And, and they just, they're just overjoyed, I and mean, they're just absolutely uh, uh, happy with the opportunity to be involved in that kind of outreach. All right, we only have about eight minutes left. But Can I, I quickly just say something here to, okay. to, about this because I think it's so important, and this may be a seed idea for you guys too, but when, when we had our programs in our church, it didn't mean everybody was coming to our church, then that was it. They, they, uh, we had to think about how to get them from the fellowship hall or the, and get them integrated in the service. So what we did was that we, had the, we told them that, look, this congregation is helping support this, you guys are naturally set up because you're pastor and everything. We had to have to go over that hurdle. And so I would ask Dr. Mills to have the Sabbath sermon. We would have a community report where they would tell about what was happening in their lives as a result of the program. They would uh, share their testimonies and all those different things. And during the service, we were very deliberate about trying to have six or seven or eight of the people that led out in the health program be a part of the service up front. So they were very, they were very comfortable. So when they came to church, it was like... They were being profiled for what had happened, and they were able to then share their testimony. And the dynamics of those meals were powerful. Many times the Bible studies would start right there. And that was moving from the fellowship hall or from the setting, the clinical setting, if you will, for us, into the spiritual arena. And it was at that time, with the, 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 the story from Luke chapter 17 is instructive. Jesus had ten lepers came to him. Only one of them wanted to come back and have the whole meal deal. And so that's the way we looked at it. We would send them back to their priests, <laughs> to their uh, clinicians, and then some of those that would say, what's the connection? About 10% in our case, um, when they said, look, we want to know more, then they were invited and they would come to that special Sabbath and they would start to make the transition and they would, they would know people from the co-op, from the fruit program, from the berry program, from the, you know, and then Dr. Mills, I wouldn't preach because I didn't want to terrify them. Can I hear an amen? Anyway, so, and, and Dr. Mills would preach. He was the, he was the clinician, he was the clinician, he was the pulpiteer and then he would kind of set me up, you know, with fear and trepidation. And then, uh, and then we would, we would kind of get together. And then, and then that's kind of how the bridge was made. Does that help you? Okay. We have a question from our neurosurgeon there from Loma Linda. Okay. Gentlemen, we uh, we attempted a children's trip program. Uh, it didn't. Uh, well, okay. Uh, two two different views. Um, uh, I I didn't attend it, um, but it was my understanding that uh, there wasn't a huge turnout. I'm, I can tell you what has worked well in our local church for the children, and that is there's a VBS program called Kids in the Kitchen. 
uh, and it is, it is excellent. The, the community showed up in large, and uh, they have the aprons, you know, the kids in the kitchen. You get to teach them the health message. Yeah. They get to cook it. And, of course, they want to eat it after they've cooked it. And then when they're, they bring it home to their parents because it's too much for them to eat, their parents really like it. And their parents are enthused because you're teaching them against the dangers of alcohol, drugs, mm -hmm. tobacco. You're teaching them a better way of living. And then we have them come on a Sabbath morning for the graduation. And it's always a health presentation that we give at that time uh, that, uh, that makes the connection to the spirituality. And it has been a great hit in the community uh, and uh, works very well. Let me share one other thing. There's a lady whose name is Antonia Demas. She's from Cornell University. She wrote a curriculum called Food is Elementary. This last year we brought it to our church. We specifically targeted the 7,000 homeschoolers in Wichita or in Kansas. We sent out flyers to homeschooling moms. The most powerful people on the entire planet are homeschooling moms. If you want to have someone that can get something done, ask a homeschooling mom. If you want to make someone angry, make sure it is not a homeschooling mom. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Um, this homeschooling mom, I said to her, I said, look, this is what's happening, and are you interested? She happened to be very interested, Tony, and uh, was her name, and Chef, Chef Tony, she had like a cooking thing. She got on the Internet. Anyway, to make a long story a bit longer, Antonius came, and uh, I told her about it. She got the word out. I sent out emails to all the health educators, all the elementary school principals, all of the people that we had a, a, in, in the entire Wichita area. I got some real resistance from the meat lobby and the dairy lobby, you know, and, and different things, and they wouldn't let me through. They wouldn't let me do PR. So I sent all these emails out, you know, not spam because Adventists don't believe in that, but I sent it all out, and, and, and it was amazing. There were two responses. The two responses were adults that had gone through the CHIP program, and they were principals of schools. So one of those schools opened up. Antonia Demas came. She gave her program, much like Dr. Nedley talks about. The kids would decorate with their food. They went through the different colors of the food. Then they ate the food. She shared her research about how that has changed entire communities. You could read her dissertation or go online, foodiselementary.com. What happened coming out of that was the public school we went to, 700 kids came to the program. They have committed now to doing that program they would like to in that public school system. We are now training people to go into that system. This seems to be something that works. It's a curriculum that's already there. Homeschool moms and educators want to lead it. And what they've seen in the studies is that that kids change their behaviors, they influence their parents. And this is all in her dissertation. And it completely changed the community in, in, in New York and also in uh, the different places she's done it. So that's what I'd recommend. We also brought in a pediatrician. Uh, that was very effective in Dr. Atwood. Uh, he died su uh, subsequent uh, to uh, our bringing him in. But uh, it was, uh, it was uh, very, very powerful. Uh, one thing I think it's very important, and that is a positive attitude. One of the things that I had an opportunity to observe. I was a kid, and Pastor Mark Finley was my dad's associate pastor for two years. I watched as a child of Pastor Finley. And it didn't matter what was happening. He was enthusiastic about it. If there were two people, it was a crowd. And, uh, and I watched that. 
And there's going to be little kinds of uh, oppositions. There might even be some surprises from people who ought to help you. You might even be surprised at uh, a, a, uh, a church member, even a church leader, that might misunderstand. And uh, this isn't the time to get all uh, unhappy with them. God is in charge of all these things. We can be positive. Um, if he wants to block something, that's okay. Um, he's in charge. Uh, he blocked David from building a sanctuary because David, it just wasn't quite right, but he made up and gave him another job. It may be something that I have a passion for, but God wants me to pass it on to my child uh, as it was for David. There may be all kinds of reasons, but if you on your knees seek to work, do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you it may not be uh, big, it may not be famous, it may not get you any, um, any write-ups in the Review and Herald, but the Lord will watch it and He'll multiply that seed. He'll bless your efforts. Stay positive. Uh, believe in the church. Uh, be under authority. If the pastor is not excited about it, um, let the Lord uh, take care of those things. Uh, invite people over to your house if, uh, if that's it. Help them to see the value of the decisions that you, uh, you've made here with uh, Pastor Finley's uh, appeal or that you've made maybe all your life so that people see that these things don't just affect our diets, they affect the way we are. We are, we are happy. Jesus is in our hearts. And the message He's given us, we can give. In one way or another, we can be medical evangelists for the Lord, whatever the opposition. Thank you. Yes, uh, Elder Wilson. Just a follow-up to what Phil has said. This has been a marvelous weekend. And I know that the Lord is going to bless this network incredibly. This panel that we've had here has been a wonderful representation say about two sentences. You are going to meet resistance. Don't succumb to the devil's promotion of going independent in your local setting, in your church, with your conference. When you hit the brick wall, take a breather, pray, and gently the brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to open that wall. Don't neglect the commission that the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy has given that this is a blended thing. Amen. Now, can I follow up on that from our local setting? Our, our, our church had the name of being the healthy church and that was not a positive name in the conference and when I got there one of my jobs was to do exactly what Elder Wilson said and every time something successful happened I would call up the president I would say 
I need your counsel. What do I do with this information? I mean, I don't want to make you nervous, but uh, I want to let you know what's happening, and, and it's a blessing. And then um, every chance I got, I would talk about the person who was my departmental head. It's usually a youth person in your conference that has absolutely no interest in your health program. And in our particular thing, we invited him down. He had prayer and different things, and we kept doing that. And it was amazing, very amazing. Remember when we got the phone call? The president calls us up, and he says, would you run the health program for the local conference for the camp meeting? And then he did that three times. And the wall, what was very, see, look, administrators are kind of freaked out when you talk about diet, dress, or music. Because they know <laughs> that these three things are like the apostate trinity sometimes. I mean, they will, they will cause just explosions. And so, you know, they don't want you to come and have PETA people with you and, you know, you know, if you eat meat, we delete. No posters like that. They don't, they don't want that, right? So you have to help them. So when my president would call up, he would ask me, you know, well, uh, uh, you know, he'd say things like, so are, are the people normal? That's basically what he was saying. <laughs> and, you know, and so I'd have to help him. I'd say, well, look, you know, there are people that when they come into the church, because they have come in through lifestyle means, <clears throat> they're going to talk about that. They're going to think that that is the Adventist message, you know? Tofu, chapter 3. <laughs> so they're going to be like talking about that and just really into that. And, and, and that's like that, you know? And so they get a little out of balance sometimes. And so I'll take them aside, you know, I'll say to them, hey, look, really glad your cholesterol came down. Man, we just love it. And, you know, your life's going to be longer and... Unless you keep talking like this, because <laughs> I'm going to kill you. You're going to lose all your advantages. I kind of smile, you know, and they'll look at me. And I said, look, frankly, seriously, all these people that, uh, that, uh, that didn't get into the ark, most of them were vegetarians. So just because you got the health message doesn't mean you get in the ark, you know. And uh, this would help them kind of go around. And then I'll make a statement from the front. I'll say, look, 50% of Adventists are, are, are vegetarians. Fifty percent or not? Uh, In your 90, church, maybe. Ninety-nine. Ninety. This is Mark Messino's book, The Vegetarian Way. This were his statistics. Uh, okay. Ninety-eight percent of people. Thank you, Dr. Nelly. <laughs> page forty-two. And uh, so, ninety-eight um, percent of ministers, according to Mark Messino, um, move more towards a vegetarian thing, maybe lacto-ovo. And so, what I try and tell them is that people are in transition in the Adventist Church. They start to make decisions, and we support that process, but we're not pointing the finger at each other. And w this helps the administrator realize that, that you're not going to show up with some kind of radical agenda. And I, I think it's wise for conference officials to say those kind of things. I, I appreciate it. There, there are some distinct advantages in bringing people in through the health message. And by the way, there, you know, I, I know a lot of them that came in through Wichita. I mean, these are engineers. They're, uh, they're more educated people, some of them very um, high echelon. And really, it's a way of, of reaching the neglected rich. Ellen White talks about the neglected rich. Uh, and the, the health message is a great tool for doing that. But in all of the, uh, the, the people that we've had come in uh, to our church through the health message, and correct me if I'm wrong, and any of you that have brought them in through the health message, we've never seen them go out the back door. 
one of the reasons is is because they also get easily wedded to the spirit of prophecy because the spirit of prophecy they can read what what happened and what she counseled and they saw that already in their uh, program and that's one of the things I would like to mention in regards to our own personal devotions probably the, the least publicized study that Roger Dudley did but it probably needs to be the most publicized study uh, was the study of Adventists who regularly read Ellen White and those who do not. Mark difference. Those who regularly read her read the Bible much more. I was trying to find it on my... Uh, I have the, the, the statistics on my computer, and we might be able to find it afterwards. They, their tithe-paying rates are like tenfold uh, greater. Their, uh, their rates of evangelism significantly greater. Their assurance of salvation, what do you think that is? Higher or lower? Significantly higher among those who read the spirit of prophecy. Uh, every element that he looked at, and uh, you know, in a way, this was, this was a study where they weren't sure how it was going to come out, and I think some of the ones that were behind the authorship of this study were actually thinking the opposite. You'll hear sometimes... Well, you know, the spirit of prophecy pitted against the Bible. You know, well, they're, they're too much into that. The spirit of prophecy quotes the Bible extensively, and I can't read it without the Bible being there because I'll see something in there that says, wow, I thought I read that in Ezekiel. I've never seen it from that perspective, and I'll get into Ezekiel to actually see the context of all of that. Uh, and it is a, a, for those of you who are not regularly reading uh, those books that are really there to prepare us as Elijah, uh, uh, John the Baptist, really. He was called Elijah. John the Baptist was there to prepare uh, as the messenger, the coming of the Lord the first time. Uh, that's what the prophet uh, was given for us, to prepare for us uh, and to prepare the people that we're acquainted with and our sphere of influence to prepare a people to meet God as he comes, Christ, the second time. And I would encourage you to include that as a regular devotional uh, life, and you'll see a lot of changes in your own personal life as well. Well, you've been a attentive group. I think we've gone over time. Uh, any one of you have any closing thoughts that you would like to, uh, to I, I just want to say that, you know, um, at our level, the conference leaders should be very supportive. So I'd hate for you to start off with the assumption that you're going to be reaching resistance um, so I think, you know, that's something I'd encourage you to work within the church structure, look at the resources available within the local church. And uh, think of it, all of us here have the resources at our fingertips to make it work. So go back and uh, look at uh, your particular situation and make modifications that meets your, your particular practice situation and church situation. And I think next year we'll look forward to hearing some stories from some of you right here in this audience of what you have done as a result of this. Um, as you can see, a couple of us, at least here, are, are just starting off. We're just barely a step ahead of you or some of you that are thinking about this right now. And I guess what I'm impressed, I, I really appreciated your comments, Dr. Mills, that um, yes, knowing about programs and knowing about resources and all this is important. It's, it's an important part. But being in tune with the Holy Spirit is, is by far the most critical, most important, most uh, effective, joyful. That's what we're leaning on, uh, you know, to see this move from where it is to where it needs to be. And um, I just commend to you the Lord's Spirit to, uh, to show you what to do, where to go. Pastor Jerry, would you close us with prayer? 
Father, we thank you for this weekend, the blessings that we've each received. And we ask for your specific guidance this coming year. Um, may we understand what your will is for us individually and in each of the outreaches that Christ might be glorified. And as he's lifted up, you've promised that we'll all be drawn to him. May that be our experience this coming year. In his name, amen. amen.